So this morning's sermon is going to be different for it's going to be spread out throughout the worship service. Uh, Hopefully we'll learn some things that will not only shape what we do today, but as we go forward with our worship. So we'll be talking about each of the elements of worship today, each of the things that, that we are currently including in our worship. You know, Jesus said that God is looking for people who will worship him. He's looking for them. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 95, page 686. Page 686 in the Bible that's in the pew. And I don't know if we have any guests with us here today or not, but if, if we do, just let you know that this is not our normal way of having our worship service, okay? Normally we start differently, but today we're going to uh, do this to really focus in on our time of worship. Psalm 95, we'll start in verse number 6. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So God has called us to worship him. And to kneel before him, which really speaks to something about worship, which we'll talk about in a minute. But he says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then he turns a corner here. He says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was agreed with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And, and most of us probably know the story. This is when Israel was wandering in the wilderness and that whole generation who, who did not kneel in their hearts before God never made it into the promised land. And so what I see here, see him calling us to worship him and I really think he calls us to worship him and worship him the way he wants us to so that we don't end up with hard hearts. So we don't miss what God has for us and his intentions in our life. So what is worship then? Uh, what is it that God has called us to do? Well, worship is translated from a Greek word uh, that, that means either literally or figuratively to bow face down in reverence or adoration. So when we read in the Gospels about uh, someone worshiping the Lord, oftentimes you know, he would heal them or say something, they would worship him, they were actually getting down on their faces before him and bowing before him. Well, for us, when we think about worship, we're really talking about doing that in our hearts, okay? Now, there might be times we would actually physically bow, and that's fine, but it's in our hearts that we bow before the Lord. We're acknowledging that he's Lord and we are not. And so really it comes to include this idea of surrender, which is what we talk about around here. The first thing we do, we what? We surrender, say it with me. We surrender to the Lord. That's right. And so that's what worship is about. And so this tells us that it really is about what's going on in our hearts first and foremost. And so if we come in here on a Sunday morning and our hearts are not connected we can do all of the things that we do, but we won't have worshipped. But if you come here with your heart genuinely yielded to God, surrendered, not, not that you're a perfect person, but that you're wanting you know, him to have that rightful role in your life, then everything that we do can become very meaningful. And, and, and we'll have what I'm calling in this sermon series, or, or sermon today, worship that works. Worship that works. It accomplishes God's purposes in our lives and so today we're going to look at the, the different parts of the worship service, connect them with God's word in a way that should help us understand them and also to help it to be more personal for us. So we're going to look at these parts of our worship. Gathering, the greeting, praying, praising, singing, the preaching, and then our giving and going. And I'm going to do my best to keep it moving along here today. So let's talk about gathering. We, we gather because we, for lots of reasons, but one of the ones we have the example of the early church. It talks about them being all with one accord, together in one place. We have the instruction of scripture which says don't neglect your gathering together. Make sure that you keep getting together. It's the, the closer we get to Christ's return, the more important it is for us to be getting together and encouraging and challenging each other. But I think uh, something that really rings true for me anyway is that one of the reasons we gather is because of the teachings of Christ. 
Something he said in Matthew chapter 18 when he was talking about the church dealing with hard, some of the hard business it has to do uh, when it gets together. But he says this, and you know the verse. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So the fact that he calls us together, he talks about us being together. He says two or three are gathered together in the midst, okay? So talking about the together. And then the other part is the focus. We need to have the right focus here because it's for where two or three are gathered together, what? In my name. There am I in the midst, okay? So God needs to be the right focus. So in accordance with what he tells us in his word, we are gathering together here today to turn our focus to God, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the God, the three in one. So let's begin focusing our attention now and let's you just stay seated, but let's, let's sing uh, from that old hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. That old hymn, it's been around almost 200 years. Great gift to the church it was. So sing with me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And one more verse of that now. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the, the die of sinful man, thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love and purity. Now let's stand together and sing along. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy.
seated. So we turned our focus to the Lord, and one of the things the Lord tells us to do is also turn our focus to one another. And so we, we want to do that, and so every week we have a time of greeting. Um, now, the Bible talks about greeting one another, and it isn't like, oh, okay, we ignore everybody till we have greeting time, Right? No, we ought to be greeting one another every time we run into each other and um, uh, in the ways that, that God talks about. And so what I want you to understand is that God actually says something about how we greet each other. Uh, and it's not just, you know, a kind of a one-time thing here. There are four different times Paul, in writing to three different churches spread across a thousand-mile span, he told them, greet one another with a holy kiss. You say, oh no, we just went from normal to weird. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, this is a, a, a practice in the Middle Eastern culture, still is today. And what, we're, what God has given them was a physical connection with each other that expresses how they feel about each other, a tangible kind of thing to show what's going on in our hearts and minds toward each other. Now, we're not going to ask you to start kissing on each other. Okay, uh, because I think the method is, was very much about that culture. And I said still Middle Eastern culture today. Um, but but what, what is our most common expression of greeting and showing of value and respect? What is it the, it's a handshake, isn't it? Okay? And, but it is, again, a physical connection with each other that's an expression of what's going on in our hearts. And, and so as we greet each other, we want to think about that. It's, it's you know... We really want to express somehow to those around us that they matter. God has done a work in my life, and he loves me, and he loves you, and I want you to know that. I want to connect with you. And so during our greeting time, we really want to encourage you, you know, to greet those around you. Uh, and by the way, I understand that sometimes this is awkward for some people. I, you know, I experience it typically when I go to a Roman Catholic church for a funeral, and then they have a time when everybody's supposed to greet each other. And I don't know these people, and, and you know, it's one of those things, if you don't make eye contact, you don't have to greet, I, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, I'm not saying you ought to do that, I'm just, there's that, I get that. But let's, let's think about trying to set each other at ease during the greeting time and communicating to whoever's here, guest, not guest, that you're of value. And one of the things we really have to watch out for is to make sure that whether it's one of our own, who are always here, or it's a guest, that you look around and you see them standing all by themselves, holding on the pew, wondering, you know, nobody we got to make sure that doesn't happen to them, right? Now, not just shaking hands. Hugs can be appropriate, but be careful with that because you'll really weird some people out if you start hugging them, okay? <laughs> but if you have that kind of relationship with someone, certainly that's appropriate as well. So, let's have our greeting time and let's really express to each other <laughs> the love of God. Listen, sometimes uh, we just need to give ourselves permission to do certain things, and I think... That, that consciousness is saying, hey, we really, this is not just about, you know, saying hi to my friends. This is about expressing to the people that God has put me in a church family with. So, so that's great. Well, let's move on and talk about praying now. Praying. And we're in this process of adding more prayer and becoming more prayer focused. But usually at the end of the greeting time, yeah, I may share some church family news with you. Uh, in fact, let me see. I've got some here. Yeah, uh, so I'll do that here, um, just connecting us. Um, did you notice that the, the snow has moved back? So it got all moved back yesterday, and then it tried to take over again. It came in, some snow. Um, but anyway, so that is great. Uh, and last week, I don't know if you, you noticed the building, we had 226 people here last week, um, which is one of the reasons we ran out of juice for the Lord's Supper. Uh, but what a, what a great thing, right? Um, 
we don't you know, make a huge deal about numbers around here, but every number in attendance means that was somebody who was here to heard the word of God and connected with the people of God, and we provided them with a genuine opportunity to know Christ or, or maybe even to know him better. And then usually at the end of this time, after we do that, uh, we have a time of prayer. We pray. Now, most of the time when you, you close your eyes, your ears hear me pray, hear me pray, right? And if you peek, you see me pray. Uh, but really, it, this is a time when we pray, okay? It's a time for us to pray. Over 25 times in the book of Acts, we see that the church was gathered together to pray. In fact, this seems to be one of the most consistent things about the church that runs throughout the, the, the story of the first church there in the book of Acts. They prayed together when they needed direction. They prayed when they gathered for the regular meetings. They prayed during their worship. They prayed in response to persecution. They prayed together to understand what God was saying and how to apply it. They prayed for the people they put in leadership positions and, and prayed together for God's spiritual blessings on his people. They prayed together for deliverance from things that hindered them and prayed for their leaders when they got thrown in jail for preaching. I hope you remember that if that ever happens. They prayed when they sent out missionaries. They prayed when they got beat up and were hurting because of persecution and whenever they had to say goodbye to each other, they prayed. They prayed together. Now, God gave us a promise and he gave it to, actually to Israel, but I think the principles of the promise apply for us today. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I, God, will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now, I, I think we all have land in our lives that needs healing, don't we? We all have that, and certainly our nation needs it, and even our church does from time to time. So what a wonderful promise we have. But how, how do we move from me praying to we praying? I mean, we could have you all pray out loud, and maybe we'll do that at some point. That's fine. But in this scenario, what I want you to teach you is, is when, we are, when someone is praying on our behalf, that we need to participate in that prayer. We need, we need to participate. It doesn't make sense for... Uh, to have someone stand up and pray and pray a kind of a long prayer and then everybody else zones out while that's happening. Now, don't tell me that's never happened to you, right? It, it does happen to us. So how do you keep from zoning out when the church is praying? Well, you have to participate in prayer. And you have to do it on purpose, consciously. So how are we going to do that? Well, one, you've got to pay attention to what's actually being said. Do actually listen. What's, what's this person saying to God on our behalf? And then when you hear something, now this, this will be a little stretch for some of you, okay? And, and we're going to find our levels, and that's fine. But when you hear something that, that all of a sudden, wow, that's, that's, yes, I agree with that, you know, or something that, that just really connects with your heart or, or something that just feels so important to you at that point in time, affirm it somehow, Affirm it, even if it's just nodding your head, right? You're, you're connecting, you're, you're engaging, and you are participating. But it doesn't have to stop there. You can nod your head. You can go, yes, Lord, right? If you really like it, you can go, yes, no. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, get engaged. You can raise your hands if you want when we pray. That, that's a, we see a biblical examples of people expressing their hearts, desires to God, as they pray with lifted hands, you can do that in the singing as well. Or you can say things, and the volume's up to you, but yes, yes, Lord, or amen, or thank you, Father, or yes, please, do, whatever. It's okay, all right? You may come from a background that someone's up here praying, you better keep your mouth shut. That's not the way it is here. We don't want to be distracting, but we want to participate, Okay? And so give yourself permission to do this. It will only feel weird for a while. Okay? And then you'll be connected and we will be truly praying together. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we come before you today and declare that you are worthy of our worship. You are um, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who, who's holy and just and righteous and loving and gracious and merciful. Thank you that you have 
provided a way for us to be saved. I pray that as we focus in on worship today that, that we would learn to worship in a way that works, uh, that, that accomplishes your purposes for it in our lives, knowing that we'll be blessed by it. And I pray, Father, that uh, we'll have hearts filled with worship from beginning to end and more when we end than when we started. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together again and continue singing. <clears throat> dismiss our children, second grade and younger, to Children's Church at this time. You can head on downstairs. Well, this brings us to the section on praising God. One of the things that we do and ought to be doing in our worship is praising God. We just, just sang it, didn't we? And really, do you know those, those are the last, uh, I mean, the theme of that song is, are the last, of the, uh, the final words of Psalm 150 the last of the Psalms, kind of like the summary of all the Psalms, says, let everything that breathes sing praises to God, to the Lord. Praise 
the Lord. In fact, you consider the, the entire book of Psalms. We have 189 times in 150 chapters that the, bio, that the Psalms talk about praising God. And praising God is either communicating with God about him or it's communicating with each other about him in a way that shows what God is really like. And that's what we're kind of saying, right? If we only could see this, if we only understood that, then we would never stop praising because we, we're focusing on, on these ways that he is good, that he is amazing, that he is wonderful, that he is worth knowing. And it's about bringing him honor by declaring his worthiness and declaring it to him and about him to others. So we praise. You understand that praising God verbally prepares us intellectually to believe what he says in his word. It prepares us intellectually to, to understand what he's going to do and what he says that he's going to do and how to apply it in our lives. Why? Well, think about it. If I'm facing you know, a, a huge issue in my life that I can't figure out how in the world I'm going to get by, I, I just can't figure out how we're going to deal with this, and, and I'm praising God, and I'm saying, God, you are all-powerful. You can do anything. God, you are perfectly wise. You have all the wisdom, and you know exactly what needs to happen all of a sudden it starts getting through to me that, wait a minute, God can do this. He said in his word, you know, all, all of those, any issue that you're facing in life, this is why praising helps us intellectually. So praise is an essential part of our worship. Psalm 86, 12 says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. Well, how are you going to express that, be able to express that in our time of worship? Well, we're going to do some of this in our praying. Uh, I'm going to do some when I'm preaching, and hopefully you'll do it later when, somebody, when you're fellowshipping with each other. Some of, some of that will come out, but probably the way we're going to do it most in our worship services through our music and through the singing. And so we want to talk about our singing for a little bit here. Singing praises to God, singing prayers to God, singing about God to each other is intended to connect us at a heart level with God and enable us to move from an intellectual understanding that we have of these things. Not only do I understand it intellectually, but I also have a heart connection now with God about these things, all the things that are true about him and because of him. So let me ask you a question. I'm not looking for you to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about it. Is singing in worship optional for Christians? Or are we supposed to sing, okay? There's some questions we can ask to help us answer this question. Let me ask you, are, are, and I want you to answer this. Are we commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You convinced of that? I'm giving you an opportunity to respond here. Are we commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. All right, are we commanded to be filled up with the Word of God so it's changing us to honor God? Okay. It's in the context of those two things that we have some instruction about our singing. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible that's in the pew is page 1346. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. He's making a contrast here when he says, and do not be drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by it. Don't be filled up with wine, he says, which is dissipation. But he says this, here's the command. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So if you're saying that to be filled with the Spirit is a command of God, well then singing to one another, is speaking here, but with music. You're communicating with each other and to God, both of those. When we're singing, so get this, when we sing, we aren't just singing for God's sake. We're singing for one another. We're singing this message to each other as well. And, and then turn over to Colossians chapter three. Very similar, page 1355. 1355 in the Pew Bible. 
Just one verse, verse number 16 of chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So again, we are singing this message to each other, but we're also singing from our hearts to God. So be filled with the Spirit and sing. Be filled with the word of God and sing. So God did not intend for our singing to be optional in worship. Now, in other words, if you're, if you're here worshiping and we're singing, we, you ought to be singing. Now, let me be careful. I don't want to, to get any sort of a legalistic mindset here, okay? We're not saying that, uh-oh, you better make sure you sing every word of every verse of every song, right? Because we're going to be watching you. In fact, everybody look back up there on that wall back up there. See up on top? Looks like a camera, doesn't it? <laughs> we're watching you. No. So you know that's a smoke detector that we had to put in. <laughs> and what it does is shines a laser beam on that little square up there and back. And so if there's enough smoke up there, it'll set off the alarm. But anyway, so we aren't going to be watching you. We're not setting up some kind of standard that, oh, you've got to do this. And, and we're not talking about when you have a cold and if you try to sing, you're going to cough uncontrollably. We're not talking, yeah, that's not a problem. We're not talking about the fact that there just might be times when, for some reason, you're just overwhelmed emotionally and you just can't sing right now. That's fine. It's okay, right? Uh, but the point is this, that under most circumstances, we should be singing when we're worshiping God in our, our church. You know, but I, I know some of you have heard, but Walt, I am a terrible singer. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I sound like a frog that's croaking. I have really good news for you. God has auto-tune. Okay? And, and you, your singing is music to his ears. And... and and everyone around you here in the church will either love the fact that you're singing to the Lord or it's their problem. Not yours, okay? So when it comes to singing and worship, I challenge you today to move toward God with your singing. If you're one of those folks that you just never sing, I, I want everybody to take a step closer. If you're one of those folks who never sing, then move your lips, okay? I'm serious. Do something. Move in that direction. If, you know... If, if you already sing half the time, start singing most of the time. If you already sing most of the time, start singing out more and really focus on what you're singing. If you're already doing all this stuff, then move beyond the words of the song to an awareness that you're singing to God and about God to each other and you're singing for his glory and connect with him consciously as you sing. Here's a thought, surrender to him as you sing. Imagine yourself in the presence of God. Because you are. You are. Psalm 98, verses 1 and 4 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. That break forth in song is almost like, I can't help myself, right? I, I gotta sing. I, Psalm 69, 30, I will praise God with a song. So we're gonna try it, Okay? And we want to consciously think about what we're singing and what we're saying about God and what it means in our lives. And we want to think, yeah, I hope everybody's hearing this, not just me, and, and we're singing this. And, and um, so we want to sing from the heart, don't we? We want to engage with the mind here and sing from the heart these things. And we're going to work on it. If I have to stop you, I will. Okay? And we're going to work on a song here and, and really focus on how do we sing together when we worship. So go ahead and start us if you want. We'll have to stand, stand up as we continue with our worship service. I am watching you now.
about this in a number of places, but I pull out of Revelation chapter 5. It talks about that they were praising God in heaven with singing and spoken praises with a loud voice. You guys are singing pretty good that time, okay? But listen, when it's time to get loud, you ought to sing loudly because it's, it'll affect you. It will actually affect you as you engage in and sing louder, okay? So as we continue with this song, or those places when it's supposed to be loud, and you know where they are, sing loud, okay? All right, so let's go on from there. If our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then who could stand again?
fellowshipping with other believers and unity of what you have done and it changes us father and we thank you for that continue to speak to us through the word in jesus name we pray amen, amen. children second grade and younger are already been dismissed <laughs> they are now that's that, you know, I, I'm actually kind of glad you did that, Matt. Because you understand what that we learn from that, right? That we develop habits that we can do without really engaging and thinking about what's been going on. And, and that's not bad in itself, but we need just to be alert to that. Because that's how we can go through the motions, right? Uh, 
I remember one time, I, I forget what the situation was, the details, but I remember very clearly being in a situation in a public gathering and praying and say, Father, thank you for this food. And we weren't even eating. You know, and so you remember. Well, so now we want to talk about preaching, and then I'm going to preach some more to you here, not long. But preaching is also worship. At least it's supposed to be, and it, and it can be when we approach the preaching properly. You see, we surrender ourselves to God as a church when we, when we open up his word to see what he has to say to us as a church family. We're acknowledging that our own wisdom is insufficient, that we need to hear from God. We acknowledge that what he has to say is worth knowing and living by. And then we surrender to God as individuals during the preaching each time we come to it and participate in it with the right heart attitude. When we, when we say yes to whatever God wants to show us in his word. You know, we're saying yes to what might need to change, start, stop, whatever. We're saying yes to God when we come to the preaching. So again, it shouldn't be about one person up here standing doing something and, and everybody else just sitting not doing. No, we need to be participating together in this. You need to be carrying on a conversation with God as, as you hear the word preached to you about whatever he is prompting you about. It could be exactly what I'm talking about. It could be something totally unrelated, but God makes a connection for you. And so uh, how we seek to honor him in worship with how we approach the preaching of his word and how we respond to the preaching of the word. So let's focus in on a few minutes here now on what would normally you know, be our preaching time. It's gonna have a, a, a shorter, sort of a mini-sermon here on worship. You know, I remember very clearly sitting where you're sitting today, okay, for years, and sitting and listening to sermons, and I really, I wanted to hear what God said. And, and you know, many times I did hear from God. You know, he, he spoke to me through the sermon. Uh, but I got to admit, there were, there were lots of times where, for whatever reason, I found myself doing this. Anybody else ever felt that way? Okay. I mean, it happens, right? And, and what I found is I had to work at it. I had to, you know, you'd, you'd go, you know, you had to work at it to keep paying attention to keep focusing on what God wanted to say to me. I mean, sometimes sermons can really catch your attention. They can be very interesting. And other times, well, what can I say, you know? Sometimes sermons are hard to follow. Sometimes they're too long. Sometimes the preacher's trying to say too much. You know what I mean? All you guys are nice. I was wondering what was gonna happen when I asked you that question. Be nice, and you have been, thank you. We've all been in the situation where if we're going to keep worshiping God during the sermon, we are really going to have to work on it because maybe we have a, a, you know, a million things pulling our minds different directions, and we have to work to stay engaged with it. Now, as a preacher, I try to make that as easy for you as I can, but due to a thousand factors at any given point in time, any of us can find ourselves having to work real hard to continue to worship while the sermon's going on. But our decision to keep worshiping God, even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient, it's very important because it says this. It says, God, you're worth enough to me to keep working on staying engaged with what you're trying to say to me through this sermon. God, you're worth it, and so I'm going to work on it. And in reality, it's not just during the sermon that we have to continue to work at worshiping. I mean, sometimes we have to work at worship, and that's okay. You know, you might say, oh, I didn't really, I, I feel like I'm a hypocrite because today I didn't really feel this, but that's not being a hypocrite, that's being human, right? There's times when you have to say, okay, I am on purpose going to work at this today. I'm going to work at worshiping. If we want to have worship that works, from time to time we're going to have to work on our worshiping. Now, the reason we have to be willing to work at worshiping God is because of this. How we worship matters to God. How we worship matters to God. And what matters to God should matter to us. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. Page 1224. 1224 in the Pew Bible. John chapter 4. 
many of us, maybe most of us know the story here about this woman at the well and how Jesus talked to her when that wasn't the normal cultural thing to do. And we find out that she's really an immoral woman. She's been married numerous times and the man that she's now living with is not even her husband. Um, and all this comes out. But, but in the process of talking to this woman who, who was by all stretches of imagination sort of an outcast of society, one we would call a sinful woman. By the way, we're all sinful people. But we see you know, a sinful woman. And uh, he gets down to this though, and this is where he comes to in verse number, let's see, let's start in verse number 21. She asked a question about worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. It's not gonna be about places and things anymore. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Uh, true worshipers. Are we true worshipers today? Are you a true worshiper today? He says, true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And this idea of spirit, this is that deep down inside part of us, who we really are. It's that part of us where we can connect with God. And so it, we actually, you know, from the heart, from the inside, we connect with God. But it's also guided by truth. What's really true? It's not just an emotional thing at all. It's what's really true. What does God say in his word? And so we worship on that basis. And then he says this last phrase, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is looking for worshipers. See, our worship matters to God somehow. Not that he needs it. He's fine without it. Okay, he has no needs. But he knows that we need to worship. And so he is seeking people who will worship. And so when we come together in a worship service as True worshipers, we're going to come in surrendering to the truth. We're coming in yielding ourselves to what God says, says. Worshiping in ways that match what the Bible says. Worshiping in the right ways for the right reasons from the heart. And working at it if need be because God is worth it. God is worth it. Now, give you a little warning here. This is the part of the sermon that we always come to, where we begin to really kind of apply this to our lives. And so warning, we're now leaving the comfort zone. Okay? I want you to understand that. That's okay. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to be comfortable during all of your worship. And so sometimes God will challenge us about things. So what are some of the ways then we here at Life Source Church need to work on worshiping together? Well, obviously, we need to try to put into to practice all the practical things we talked about today. And let me tell you what a blessing it was to hear you sing like that today. Worship team up here, did you notice a difference? Yeah, it was huge. Because you engaged consciously, on purpose, from the heart. So we want to put those kinds of things in practice today. We want you to participate in the prayers, all those things. But in addition, there's just a few things I want to challenge you about that we need to work on our worship here and the first one may not apply to all of you here, but to some of you, Lord, will speak to you about it. We need to make it here to worship more consistently. You can't worship together with the church when you're not together with the church. And so you need to understand worshiping with the church needs to be a high priority in our lives. Why do I say that? Because I'm the pastor? No, because God says it. It's all through his word. And so ask yourself the question, what are you willing to blow off Sunday worship for? Is it really more valuable to you, those things, than worshiping God with his people the way he desires? Let me encourage you to raise the standard for when you will miss worship, okay? Make sure it's something that God would approve of, that you believe, you've, you've, you've talked to him about it and you believe this is what he wants you to do. Uh, and it's not just something you do because, oh, I just really want to do that instead, you know. Or, just because it seemed like the thing to do. No. God, you're more important than that. 
I need to be at my church worshiping you with my church unless you have me doing something else, like staying home so I don't cough all over people. I mean, okay, you understand what I'm saying? The second one, I'm going to go here really from preaching to meddling in your lives. Not only do we need to make it here to worship more consistently, we need to make it here to worship on time. On time. You know, as we've seen here today, the singing is just as much a part of our worship service as the preaching is. It's just as much a part of our worship. The greeting time is just as much a part of our worship as the prayers are. It's all important. And so I think the surrender issue, the worship issue for us here is this. Here's the question. Is worshiping God with my church family important enough for me to do what it takes to be here on time? It should be. I only need three-fourths of the worship. I only need 57% of the worship. No, it ought to be important. It's all important. Uh, When we are consistently late, it not only says that we really don't value worshiping God enough to be on time. I, I said when we are consistently late. It also says we don't value our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to be on time. To worship with them. And to be honest, let me just share this with you. You know me, hang in here, hear my heart. It's it's a disgrace, I think, when we have less than half of you here when we begin. And that's often the case. I mean, sometimes when we start and then one time I get to preach, we have like twice as many people here. I'm glad you're here. And it's, it's, but, you know, it's a discouragement to those who are here. They look around and where is everybody? Where is everyone? And I, I can't help but wonder, what does it say to our guests who come in who, who may not even have a relationship with Christ yet? And, you know, this, wow, this, this is pretty sparse. And then eventually it fills up. How valuable do you think they think Christ is to you? when they see that you obviously don't think it's very important to make the effort to be here on time. And remember, worship is not just us to God, it's us and each other. Now let me define on time for you here. It's not leaving home by 9.30, okay? It's not you're on the road driving at 9.30. It's not you're driving up Stafford Street at 9.30. It's not you're pulling in the parking lot at 9.30. It's not that you're walking in the foyer at 9.30. On time is you're in here when worship begins at 9.30. Okay? That's on time. Now, I want you to hear me carefully here. I'm not wanting to create an unwritten rule, you know, like we're going to use the camera and keep track of who came in late. Uh, We're not going to be judging each other. I saw you come in 37 seconds late. Or 37 minutes late sometimes. We're not doing that. We all know life happens, right? Life happens. Sometimes that means we end up getting here later than we intended. I know that. We don't want to start judging each other about that. And when we notice someone is late, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and, and assume that something came up, that they have good reason, right? And we're still going to love each other just the same. And, and here's the, uh, my concern about this. By all means, please, if you realize you're going to be late, still come. I can't come in, you know, because pastor talked about being late, and I'm late. I can't go to church today. No, no, come. But what I want to do is to challenge all of us to make sure that how we approach our worship is consistent with what we say we believe about God. And that doesn't apply just to those who are late. That, that applies also to you who are obsessive about being on time. You probably need to chill. (laughs) So we need to make it to worship more consistently. We need to make it to worship on time. And finally, we need to make it here to worship as worshipers already. I didn't know quite how to say that. Worshipers already. In other words, it isn't that I come in the door, sit down here, we start singing, and I think, oh, oh, I need to worship. I need to be... We want to get to the point where we live our lives each and every day as worshipers, where we are connecting from our heart and mind with who God is and engaging then with what it means in our lives and, 
and we're yielding to him and we're, we're surrendered. We're saying yes to him. And, and, you know, when we fail, we respond properly and confess and, and keep growing and working. And, and when we're like that, we are worshipers already. And then when we come to worship with the church, man, we're already ready to go. And when you're struggling and that's not the case in your life, come on in, right? I mean, that's what we're saying. We're, we're here to help each other, encourage each other. But the only way that's going to happen is if you make sure that God is at the center of your life and everything revolves around him. Far too often we plant ourselves at the center of our lives and our lives and everything else, including God, revolves around us. That's not worship. So we need to firmly plant God at the center. Actually, we don't plant him. We need to yield to him in it. And finally, you can't be a worshiper if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior. You can remedy that situation today. Understand that you have, like all of us, have sinned and failed. And because of that, we're separated from him spiritually. And we die in that condition. We go to hell. But here's the good news. Jesus, God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus into the world. He died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rose again from the dead. And when we come to him, and, and really, here you go, your first act of worship as a Christian, as any, it, first act of worship is the moment you trust Christ as Savior. Because you surrender to him. I give up on everything else I could ever do to fix this problem. I, I surrender to you. I trust Jesus as my Savior. And that moment he forgives every sin. He comes to live inside of you and begins working on you to be that true worshiper. And then your life is over. You go to be within heaven. So we would love to talk to you about that. If you have questions about that, you can use a connection card or come talk to us. Worshiping is a cool thing, isn't it? awesome thing what a privilege it is and it's man when we get to heaven then it's really going to open up you know I, ha I had the uh, experience again this week using my snowblower I love my snowblower not only because it moves snow but it's I've told you before I'm going to tell you it again it's because it's cool it's just run along and then when you get in the heavy snow what's it do guys blows the snow everywhere. Well, we're worshiping here on earth like this. And we're going to get to heaven. It's going to go. I know that doesn't sound appealing to some of you, but <laughs> do you get the sense of what I'm trying to say? Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you have called us to worship you, that you are seeking worshipers and you drew us to yourself and saved us that we might worship you. And I pray, Lord, you'll you will transform our worship here that when we come back next Sunday and the Sundays that follow, even on Wednesday nights in between when we meet, but that we will come and more consciously think about what we're doing and on purpose honor and glorify you and surrender to you because of who you are and what that means in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.